Good morning. Good words in those songs, aren't there? I mean, you know, we, we kind of think we'd like God to take all, away all the trouble, but it's better that he takes us through the trouble with peace, giving us peace in all kinds of circumstances. So we, we're thankful for that, aren't we? And thank you for leading us in that worship. Let's pray before we look into God's word this morning. Father, we thank you for just the stability, the rock of your word. We thank you that we can stand on it, and even in rough times, even in waters that come over the boat, we know we can trust in you, and we can last through it according to your strength, and to have the peace that you give even in troubled times. And Lord... Let us encourage one another along down that pathway and that uh, you may receive all the glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, can you remember the last time you felt this good about your life? Well, let me back up just a little bit. You know, after Jesus Christ rose from the dead... He told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until the gift from the Father has come. The gift that the Father promised them. Now that sounds kind of interesting when you just say it like that. I mean, what kind of gift would Jesus be talking about that would come from God the Father? And what they would be waiting for. But Jesus said it was something he'd already told them about. So it's something that he'd already discussed with them, and probably more than once. But then Jesus goes on to say right there in that passage, For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So what will that mean that the disciples are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? When the disciples heard that, they thought, well, is that the time that the kingdom is coming? That the eternal kingdom is coming when the Spirit comes down? Because in the Old Testament, it talks about the Spirit pouring out at the time of the kingdom. And of course, that was exciting to them to think that that's the time the kingdom is coming. It's coming soon because they were going to have high positions in the kingdom. They'd be judges over the tribes of Israel, and they would have positions of authority. They were the closest ones to Christ when he was on the earth. But when they asked Jesus if this meant, is this, this mean the coming of the kingdom? He said, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the coming of the Holy Spirit was to empower the disciples to be witnesses for Christ throughout the world, eventually, essentially, to the ends of the earth. So on the Jewish feast day of Pentecost, when 
Jewish people would be coming from all parts of that area, you know, even from Rome and other about 14 different nations or people groups. They heard the sound. Well, it says that the disciples were all together in one place, you know, inside. They heard the sound of a violent blowing wind coming from heaven. And it filled the whole house that they were in. And when they looked, they saw tongues of fire resting upon each person in their group. And then they went out to the people who had come to Jerusalem from lands far and near for the Feast of Pentecost. And they began to proclaim to the people the wonders of God in those people's different languages. Now, the disciples did not know those languages, but the Holy Spirit empowered them to speak to these people in their native tongues. And it really <clears throat> confused or surprised the people. They said, how can all these Galileans speak to us in our different languages? And they named like about 14 different languages. And the people couldn't believe what was happening. Then Peter began speaking to the whole group and told them that what they were seeing was the work of the Holy Spirit. And you know, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then Peter quoted to the people a passage from the prophet Joel. And it talked about the last days where God pours out his spirit causing all kinds of wonders in the heavens and on the earth, all kinds of different things happening. Then <clears throat> Peter tells them about God sending Jesus to them. See, these were Jews coming in from all over that, that part of the world. And, you know, most of them, hardly any of them knew about Jesus or had come to faith in Christ. And Peter starts talking to them about them. You know, God performed this, this miracle so that people would be paying attention. And he talked about how Jesus came and did miracles and wonders and taught them about God. But they chose to reject him. And they joined in with those who, chose, who wanted to kill him and who did kill him. But it said, but then God raised him from the dead... And death could not hold him because it had no power to hold him. It had no claim on him. He was sinless. And Peter said God raised Jesus to life. And his disciples are eyewitnesses of his resurrection. This is the first time Peter says this. And you know Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. And throughout the book of Acts you hear this phrase. And we are his witnesses because they're the ones who saw Jesus after the resurrection. And Peter said, this Jesus has been exalted to the right hand of God. And he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. And he has poured out the Holy Spirit. And that's all that you see now happening is from the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he said, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and Messiah. And about 3,000 people turned to Jesus Christ that day 
and were baptized. What an amazing work of God, right? And then Luke tells how those early Christians continued to gather daily for prayer. You know, 3,000, well, I guess people went home, but all the Christians that stayed there, they would gather daily for prayer and teaching from the apostles. And they all looked out for each other's needs. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. There was just a whole new life in them. People were coming to Christ daily, the Bible says. An amazing time in church history, and it's right at the very beginning. But now we move to another key incident in the early church. And this one also attracts a lot of attention. God is working all these things out to bring the gospel to people. And in this instance, we may, we may even call this incident the dance of happiness. So look with me. We're going to be in chapter 3 and looking at the first 10 verses. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. wonder how Peter felt at that moment. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So you just think of this whole setup. And we can see that God is the great orchestrator, isn't he? And by that, I don't mean, like some might think, that God is working with a bunch of pre-programmed robots who aren't responsible for their own decisions. What I mean is God in his matchless wisdom, his power and wisdom, uses people who are willing to serve him in certain places and in certain times to bring about eternal good through their, their gifts and their humanity. And we're going to find out that this goes way beyond just helping this person you know, who's been, who's been healed. Now, of course, you know, Peter's gift when he said, look at me, and said, in the name of Jesus, walk, that, that gift of healing was from the Spirit of God, right? And we're going to see in a minute how God uses this incident in a very strategic way. But the working, the timing, and the very person God uses reveals God's 
wisdom and power and, and just the way he is able to do what he wants to do at a certain time to, to bring about the best results. This man has never, ever been able to walk. In the Bible, it says he was lame from birth. And everyone knew that. Everyone knew who he was. And just think of his legs and the, and the muscles. They were just totally useless. They didn't work, ever. But now he's walking and jumping and praising God. And everyone knew this man. This is God's orchestration. They knew it could not have been a show. They knew it had to be real. It was the power and the genius of God who works all things together for good. So let's see how it plays out. Verses 11 through 16. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade, part, part of the temple complex. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you all can see. What a fantastic setup God provided. You know, because of the circumstances we've already mentioned here, the people witnessing this healing, you know, they, just, they didn't just notice this man now was good and, you know, was going on and then go on with their own business. It says they were astonished and they came running to where he was. Now, I can see people looking and staring and poking each other and moving toward it. Can you imagine a bunch of people running over to, to where it was? But that's what the Bible says. And they ran over to see John and Peter. Now, you know, as they're running over and as John and Peter are, are having this amazing moment where God has worked through them, uh, I'm thinking it could be tempting for Peter or John to just kind of bring a little praise on themselves or, or a little self-promotion. You know, Peter being interviewed saying, well, you know, I didn't know exactly how it would turn out, but I just told myself, come on, Peter, let's do it. See if it works. Now, I think many of us have seen or heard about people who in the Christian world become celebrities who have risen and fallen 
due to claiming the glory for themselves. You know, that is a temptation, and we've seen many fall. Back in the 80s, they were falling like leaves off of a tree. But Peter's first response is, why do you stare at us as if this was due to our own power or goodness? You know, Peter had the chance to stand in the limelight and attract people to himself and to think, well, you know, it will help my future ministry. He not only doesn't pat himself on the back, he basically chastises them for looking at them as if they had something to do with this. And so he's totally taken all the credit and given it to God. He's taken all that admiration that people are running over and excited about, and he doesn't accept any part of it. Why are you staring at us as if we'd had something to do with this? The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob has glorified his servant Jesus. So he's given the, the praise to God, and he's given the reason that God is doing it so that Jesus is glorified. And Peter's on the right track, isn't he? I mean, he's saying the exact thing that you should say. But then he goes even more boldly a step further. Not only does he give credit to God and, and his son, Jesus, he then boldly tells them, and you handed him over to be killed. Now, this isn't going to, you know, bring him a lot of votes. You disobeyed the, this, you disowned the holy and righteous one and instead asked for a murderer to be released to you. Pretty strong, isn't it? You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And the one you killed, God raised from the dead, and it's through faith in the name of Jesus that this man before you stands healed. You know, Peter doesn't seem to be concerned about what they think of him. He just tells them point blank what, how they acted and what they did was pure evil, killing the author of life and demanding a murderer to be released in the, in the place of the Son of God. And now they can see that it's through faith in Jesus' name that this totally crippled man is now completely healed. I mean, somebody who never were able to use their legs, and he's jumping and praising God. And Peter doesn't pull any punches, does he? He's not really trying to stay on their good side. He's not trying to be popular with the crowd. He's determined. He says all this so that he, they can put their faith in the right place and not be confused in any way. It isn't going to do them any good for Peter to try to lift up his own image, is it? He wants them to turn to the only one who can save them. And so in verse 16 again, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. <clears throat> so Peter resists 
the temptation to bring glory to himself, he probably could have had them all eating out of his hand. But he knows that lifting up himself, even though it may feel good in the moment, even though he may be able to talk himself into thinking, well, you know, it's okay if I do it for a little bit. It'll promote the ministry. He knows that the only right way is to make certain their faith is in Christ and Christ alone. And isn't that a good lesson for us? You know, as we talk to people, it's, it's so easy to want to bring glory to ourselves as human beings. And, and just to make sure that we're always pointing people to Christ and having their faith in the, him. And we want to be faithful too. We want people to be able to trust us but we want them to put their faith solidly in Christ because they're going to have to go on and they're going to have to live for Christ in their, own, in their own flesh. And then after Peter shows them very clearly how they totally blew it by demanding the death of their only hope of salvation, he brings them to that point. You know, he, he, he comes down upon them very hard. You know, he... he he tells them how they killed the author of life and asked for a murderer to be released to them. And he doesn't pull any punches, like I said. And how they so foolishly chose the wrong. But he gives them the answer that will make it everything right. And so now look at verses 17 through 23. Now, fellow Israelites... I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. Now, <clears throat> I'm thinking here, you know, some of the leaders probably acted in ignorance. I think the top, the most evil ones knew. They just didn't want to, re, you know, let go of their power and authority. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that the, his Messiah would suffer. That's in the, in the scriptures, isn't it? Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said... The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. He said, they, he goes, I know you acted in ignorance. Now, he was not justifying uh, them and calling for the death of the Messiah. He was not justifying that they asked for a murderer instead of Jesus to be released. He was not saying that they bore no guilt for killing the Son of God who came to save them. They were certainly guilty of rejecting Jesus, weren't they? The righteous one for the murderer. But in saying that they were ignorant, he's really charged them with a degree of guilt that wasn't quite as evil 
as, say, some of the religious leaders. Some of them were so evil and so bent on destroying Jesus that it did not matter what Jesus did, what he said. They wanted to keep their positions of authority. They wanted to keep their, their wealth. They wanted to keep their status, their privileges. And they were not going to acknowledge Jesus even if he was the Messiah because they had too much to lose. So they were the most guilty of their sin in the rejection of Jesus. But Peter says, even in this, even in, in that awful way that they treated Jesus, God still uses it to carry out his plan of his Messiah's suffering, which would fill the, fulfill the scriptures and had to be in God's plan. It, it required the suffering of the Messiah. And you know, in the New Testament, it talks about the suffering of the saints. But the Messiah had to suffer in order to atone for sin. And even though they were ignorant, they were still guilty of rejecting their Messiah. But Peter says, you must repent now and turn to God so that your sins can be wiped out. He brings them to this real hard-nosed, you know, straight stick of truth that they killed their Messiah. They took their, the one that was going to rescue them and they put him to death. And they want a murderer released in his place. And he brings them to that point where they're really just kind of crushed in heart. And then he says, if you repent, you will experience times of refreshing as the Lord sends his Messiah to restore everything. He's talking about the future there. He's talking about when Christ comes back. And so Peter's message to them, you know, <clears throat> he does this in such a great way, and I'm sure the Holy Spirit was, was informing him, leading him, and that sort of thing. But he tells them that it's all Jesus Christ, not them. He tells them that faith in Christ made this man walk. He tells them that Christ came down and they took him and they killed him, which made him die for their sins. And so Peter says, now repent. Now come to God in sorrow and weeping and turn to him for salvation. You know, repentance means to turn from the wrong way and turn toward the right way. And, you know, people often say the word means a change of mind, and it does literally, but in the Bible, it's always a change of heart, isn't it? It's a change of mind, it's a change of direction, it's a change of life. Repentance is big, it goes deep. But in the Bible, it often includes a change of heart. And Peter is telling these Jews who had seen this miracle and that now they've heard the truth about Jesus Christ and they realize that this miracle actually came from Jesus. He's telling them now, repent and turn to God. Let go of all of the false things that you were believing. Don't hold on to anything you were taught that was wrong. Let go of any 
friends who will reject you if you turn to Christ. Repent and bow your hearts to Jesus Christ. Repent over their, their rejection of Christ and give their hearts over to him as Savior and Messiah. Repent over the sinful pride and turn in true humility to the one who gave his life for them. Repentance. Is everybody clear on repentance? <laughs> it has a different effect in different people, doesn't it? You know, it's admitting wrong and turning to the right. When, when my friend was talking to me, who had, he had become a Christian. We had grown up going to the same school, friends together for a long time. And when he, and I went to church all my life, but I didn't understand salvation. And when he was talking to me about it, I was just having a lot of trouble putting the pieces together. Because I was going to church, and I thought I was a good person. And I'd always thought, I, well, I'll probably go to heaven. You know, I'm not as bad as Hitler. Bonnie and Clyde, I chose some good people to compare myself to. But then, <clears throat> as I listened to him more and more, and he, he was able to explain it through, in different ways, it became clear. It became clear what you know, repentance really was. But I didn't understand it at first. And so, you know, you might have to talk to somebody and explain it. A little more and a little more and answer their questions. But you know, repentance often comes when we face up, and we need to repent even in our Christian lives, don't we? And it often comes when we face up to wrong attitudes, wrong behavior, falling into selfish living, moving away from Christ in our devotion life, taking our salvation for granted taking our spouses for granted, you know, just slipping into an uncaring mode of life, self-centered lives. You know, these are the kind of matters that we have to repent of, aren't they? And of course, repentance is something we need to do when we know we've done something clearly wrong. And God loves us when we repent. I mean, he loves the fact that we do repent when we do. And we get back in right stead with him. When we start wandering off, things just kind of get cloudy. And, and we, we're, we're trying to justify this. And so we have to kind of change this. And maybe we change this Bible verse. And, you know, all this kind of stuff that it gets kind of confusing. But when we repent get back right with God, things all settle out. And things become clear again. And God loves us when we repent and get right with him. He loves us when we clean out our consciences and take down any wall separating us from close fellowship. And he loves it when our hearts are free to worship and enjoy him. 
So Peter, Peter ends this speech by showing these people how to fit right into God's plan. Verses 24 through 26. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, and he's talking to these Jews who have all this Jewish background. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days that they're looking at right now. They were in the scriptures. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. <clears throat> so, these people, they had a long way to go to repent because they had such a buildup of, of incomplete an incomplete message. And Christ came in to fulfill that message. And the apostles were spreading that message. And now they had to accept and they had to repent. And so it's a good lesson for us, isn't it? Good lesson for us to have a, a repenting attitude that's ready to repent when we need to. And to talk to people as we talk to people about coming to Christ. And we see this here that God's plan for salvation has been coming through, has been being worked out through all of human history. And people try to deny the Lord and they take some verse and say, well, it doesn't make sense. But if you follow the scriptures, boy, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> and salvation, it only comes through Jesus Christ. And if you follow the scriptures, you can see it working out. And how much God loves us. And even though there's evil in the world, he loves us. He's going to help us through. And he will never fail. We can be hurt. We can be troubled. But he will never fail in the end. We just hang on to him. <clears throat> so, the Holy Spirit came so that they could be witnesses for Christ. And all through the, the Acts, Peter says, and we are his witnesses. Let's pray.